Welcome to the Coventry Vineyard Podcast. Wherever and whenever you're listening, we hope you're blessed by this message. If you want to find out more about our church or speak with someone about Jesus, head to coventryvineyard.org. Really good to see you all this morning. Um, For those of you who don't know me, I'm Susie, married to Jermaine, who was doing the introductions at the beginning. And this morning we're continuing our series um, on... Which the series, the overall series we're doing this term is called Filled with the Holy Spirit. And this morning we're looking at the subject of spiritual gifts. Um, what I found quite interesting was um, the, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a Greek boff, but what I read in one of those cheats guides was that um, where the Bible talks about spiritual gifts, that word in Greek, now in modern Greek, is the, is the same word that you use for sort of a birthday present or a love gift. Um, so I thought that was just quite a nice, useful thing to know. Um, and gifts are a really important part of our modern day culture, particularly here in the UK. You know, we've got gifts for every season under the sun and commercialization of every single possible event you could celebrate with, oh, get a gift for someone because it's this day or it's that day or it's this event or that event. And I found an interesting fact. Don't know, you know, this, this was Googling, um, but apparently a survey found that um, on average, British people give 32 gifts per year. So you you can decide whether you're under average or above average on that. Um, And Christmas is clearly the most popular gifting occasion, but obviously there are all these other occasions, not just birthdays and anniversaries, but we've got Valentine's Day and Graduation Day and all sorts of other events where people feel they should give gifts. And I wonder, like... For you, if you thought of a memorable, a memorable gift you've been given, what you'd choose. So for me, um, I'm a bit boring and practical. Um, buy me something useful and I'll really um, appreciate that. So if I think of like one of my most memorable and useful gifts, it'll be going back Christmas about five or six years ago when my parents gave us a rice cooker. And the thing for me is that I've always struggled a bit cooking rice. It, it comes out soggy or I leave it boiling thinking it's all right and then it goes dry and then it's gone kind of stuck to the bottom of the pan. And I just, just ended up with rice that was edible but not particularly exciting. And I saw other people using rice cookers and I thought maybe that's the way forward. So we got a rice cooker and lo and behold, you can just put rice, salt and the right amount of water in it and it never burns and it never dries out and it turns itself off when it's reached its sort of maximum temperature in cooking and you get rice that's edible every time. And, and not only that, the thing that I get really, sadly, even more excited about is you can't, you, you can use a rice cooker for more than just boiled rice. You can actually cook a whole risotto in it by just throwing everything in it, leaving it on, and 20 minutes later, you've got a full vegetable or fish or whatever you want to have risotto. So my little sad um, confession is, you know, rice cooker was something that's really sort of made me more excited in my life. Um, but it's also something that's been meant, it's not, not just sort of something that's um, been an encouragement to me, but it's also hopefully my family like rice quite a bit, so we've been able to cook rice together, um, been able to make risotto for the family, but also we've been able to kind of cook for other people. So it's a, a gift that kind of goes on giving. Um, I have deliberately chosen that as an example to make a point in the sermon. Um, but yeah, for you, what would you say one of your favorite gifts has, has been? Maybe like me, it's something very practical because you're a practical person. Maybe actually it's something more valuable. It's um, maybe a watch, a mobile phone, um, a car, something like that. 
Maybe it's something that's got sort of deep personal meaning for you, something personalized. Maybe it's your favorite book that someone's given you, um, or a framed photo of, of a loved one. Maybe it's been an experience that someone's given you, a voucher for a day out walking llamas, which seems to be a trendy thing for some people, or it's football tickets, um, or it's the, the promise, like a handwritten promise from your six-year-old saying, I promise I'll tidy my bedroom. Um, lots of different things can sort of mean something very special to us. Um, but what does God say about gifts, and, and, and particularly about spiritual gifts, which is the topic of today's talk? Let's see if this... Hey, great, clicky thing works for me. So in the Bible, there are quite a number of passages that talk about spiritual gifts. There's no sort of one, one overarching passage. So here I've just sort of mentioned four different passages, but there are, there, there are even a few others where there are spotted around some other gifts. And they give a whole load of different gifts, spiritual gifts, that God talks about. And some of these you kind of look at and go, oh... I didn't realize that was a spiritual gift, but yeah, it, it is a spiritual gift. Um, and so things like, but very everyday things that we're more used to in the world, like giving, like leading, um, like showing mercy, you know, anything that's sort of acts of compassion, those are all spiritual gifts. But then there are also some other things that may, maybe we're not so familiar with, um, particularly if we're newer to the church, things like prophecy um, and speaking in tongues and having wisdom and discerning between spirits. Um, so... Lots and lots of different types of gifts that, talk, that, that the Bible talks about. And maybe you're thinking, what's the difference between a sort of a natural, natural talent and a spiritual gift? Because actually, many of us have natural talents. And I think there is quite a bit of crossover, but I'd say a natural talent can, can be a much broader set of things. So things like being musical or being good at plumbing um, or having analytical thinking skills. Um, or being someone who has empathy. Those are all kind of broader talents that you might have and that you might use in your community on a regular basis or in your workplace. Um, and you, you can use those, obviously, to, to serve God. But actually, a lot of people are using those things every day just to, either for their own living and their own livelihood, um, or, or actually sometimes more importantly for their own purpose and to support their own identity, actually, this is about who I am, this is part of my identity, that I'm a compassionate person or that I'm really practical. Um, and it becomes quite an identity-focused thing. By contrast, spiritual gifts are more about what God gives to the church. It's not just a natural thing within us, but it's something God gives to the church and um, to individuals in the church to both serve the wider church but also to serve the world. They can also be misused if we've got the wrong motives because we're, we're fallen human beings and as Jack pointed out this morning, none of us can sort of stand going, oh, I've never said a bad word about anybody, um, if we're totally honest. Um, in the same way, the, the, the gifts we've been given, we can misuse at times. But they are very much about what God has given to us, whether or not we have natural talent in that area, um, in order to serve the church and serve the world. And I think the other thing about spiritual gifts, and we'll learn a bit more about this from the passage we look at, is that sometimes they're just given for a season. It's not something that we have for life. You know, talent, a natural talent we have is something that generally, as long as we sort of use it more and more, is something that stays with us for life. Sometimes spiritual gifts just come for a season. Other times they're with us sort of longer term. So just looking at a particular passage we're going to sort of do a bit of a deep dive into today. Um, in looking at 1 Corinthians 12... And starting off with these, these three verses, and I'm going to read two versions because actually the two versions bring out different um, 
a different perspective on these verses. So this is the NIV to start with, and it says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. These are just some of the phrases that are used in the message version. It says, God's various gifts are handed out everywhere. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by the Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. And I think there are um, a number of things we can take away from this passage. So I think the overarching thing is that gifts, the gifts of God, the spiritual gifts, are given for serving the church and the world. The idea in this um, passage, we talk, it talks about they're given for the common good. So they're not given for us. It's not like a, your, your, your average um, Christmas present or birthday present, which is very personalized, is often just for you. Actually, these are to serve others. But then this passage talks about three different aspects um, in the way that these gifts are given. Firstly, there are different kinds of gifts and everyone benefits. So it's not like in a place where only some people get presents because it's their birthday. Um, actually, we all get, we all get gifts. Um, and there are lots of them. Just those, that list, the, the original slide I put up with, with those four different passages, just those passages um, show a total of over 20 different gifts. Um, so there's a real variety of gifts. Some are very public. Others are more behind the scenes. Um, and those different gifts are all really valuable. We don't get to choose. It's not like, oh, we all want the shiny Apple Watch. Um, no, it's not like that. Actually, there are some shiny gifts and some less shiny gifts in terms of how they look. But they're all valuable, and, um, and, they, and they're given out as God purposes. And so we're here that they're given to us. Um, and as I've said before, it's not necessarily just a sort of once for all, you've got a gift and you can then use it for life. Um, sometimes God does that, but other times he just gives a, a gift for a particular season or a particular purpose that he, he then might sort of take away again and you, you, you're working with other gifts. Um, and our gift is very much God's gift. It's not something that I can own and possess and say, hey, look, this is my gift. Look at it. It's nice and shiny. And then I start becoming, having my identity in it and going, oh, look at not just the gift, but look at me and my gift. That's not what it's about. Um, there's no real place in God's community for that wrong kind of pride and boasting and having an identity in a gift. It's what we're told elsewhere in the Bible not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. And so the gift is very much, have a shiny at my look, it's for, for serving others. And it's always about God, not about our giftedness. Um, so, so often we put people on pedestals. Oh, aren't they amazing? Because they're showing incredible gift in something. But actually, it's all about God. And that has to remain our heart attitude with gifts, that actually it's all about God, not about us. And those gifts that we have can be taken away. There are times where God's really gifted people and they've got so caught up in the, their identity and pride with that gift that actually God's removed that gift from them just to humble them um, because actually he wants it to be about him, not about us. Another point in this passage, it talks about different kinds of service. And this is where a gift can look different depending on who's using it and what they're doing with it. 
Imagine like painting sets, you know, 10 different people can be given a painting set, and yet what they create with that painting set will look hugely different. One person will focus on landscapes and seascapes. Somebody else will focus on a whole group of people. Somebody else will focus on some kind of still life. Different people will use different colors and, and different size canvases, but actually each creation will look very, very different using the same paint set. And what might look amazing to one person, as like, wow, that's an incredible piece of art, won't touch somebody else. And what might look really humble and a tiny little thing might be really meaningful to somebody else who sees it. In the same way with our gifts, um, 10 people can have the same gift, but, can, but it can look very different in how it, um, is, how it is used and how other people perceive it as well. Um, so it's, you know, it's a bit like you've been giving a, a set of ingredients to cook. And everyone will put their own personal touch on that that reflects their personality, reflects what's important to them. And perhaps for that person also reflects who they're serving. And th those finishing touches you'll do for someone knowing what they would really value. And so just thinking about some of the, just as a couple of examples of spiritual gifts, if you take the gift of hospitality, um, some people can feel overwhelmed thinking, well, I, I couldn't, pos God couldn't possibly give me that gift. I'm not very good at cooking. Well, hospitality is not just about cooking. It's about how you open your home and your life to other people. And it might be just that you're the type of person who does hospitality by having a coffee with someone and just being a great listener and providing that space for them. Somebody else's gift of hospitality may be literally opening up their house to a stranger and letting someone who's in need stay with them for three months. Um, but that's not for everybody. Um, God will do different things with different ones of us at different season of our, seasons of our life um, that very much work with who we are um, and our personalities as well as the gift he's given. So a gift might look different depending on who's using it. And the third thing this passage talks about is different kinds of working. The fact that we might receive a gift for the whole of our lives or we might receive a gift just for a season. And Elsewhere in the Bible, in Ephesians 4, God talks about the gifts he gives, but also people with gifts that he gives to the church, particularly to serve the church. So you've got um, what's called the fivefold ministry, um, where certain gifts are given often to people who are working or serving full-time in those gifts um, within the church. Again, those people may not be given those gifts for life if they don't um, use them to serve God and don't have the right heart attitude. But you do see some people who are very clearly, that seems to be their gift and they've got it long term. But then others of us, there are times where actually we don't feel we've got a particular gift in an area, but God gives us that gift for a particular time. Maybe, maybe it is something like prophecy, that you're not somebody who feels particularly gifted in prophecy, but there are moments in your life at key stages, perhaps only once or twice in your life, where God gives you a prophetic word for someone or for your own life. Um, where he's just giving you that gift to, to bless the church or bless other people. So I think overall from this passage, what we learn, this key point, is that gifts are given to serve the church and the world, not primarily for our enjoyment. Um, sometimes we can enjoy as part of that, but that's very different from the way the world gives gift, which is very much for own personal enjoyment and um, and it's, it's much more of an individualistic thing. So we're going to go on and just read the rest of this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, which talks about unity and diversity in the community that we're in um, and how gifts play a role in that. And I've asked Gwen if she can just 
read that to us rather than have it all up on a slide. Okie doke. So um, this is the rest of um, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, starting at verse 12. Uh, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Now, the body isn't made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say to the because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God's arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there's many parts, one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the bodies that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable, they're treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God's combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body and the parts should have equal concern for each other. So if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And in the church, God's appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, and those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those with, uh, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you the most excellent way. Thanks, Gwen. So I think what this, um, what this passage shows us, and this, this, this demonstrates I don't have a gift of creativity, I might just say. Um, some of you did a much better job at finding a better image of a, of a, of a body and all the bits, but that was the best that that um, um, PowerPoint clip art could do. Um, so what we learn from this passage is that, you know, we are, as the body of Christ, a connected body, that the whole, all of us together, is much more than just the sum of the parts. And as we heard from that reading that, that Gwen's just, um, just read to us, each part, however hidden and behind the scenes or exposed and up front, is vital and equally important. And if we think about our physical body, you know, a part can be removed from our bodies, not, not, not any part. There are some vital parts that can't be removed or we die. Um, but actually, we can survive with some of the parts of our body being broken or being removed. 
and the body will still work, but usually not as effectively as it could if it did have that part without some kind of intervention. So normally if you've had something removed from your body, um, you either have to take some medicine to help your body sort of function without that, the bit that's been removed, or you have to have some kind of ad adaptation to your, to your body, either to your diet, to having extra rest, you've got a prosthetic limb perhaps, you've got a hearing aid, in order for, for, for actually your body to work effectively like someone who has got all the parts. And that same analogy holds for us as a church, that actually every single part, every single person in the church um, has a part to play. And if someone's missing because they're not serving with their gifts, actually we, we, we all lose out as a church. Um, and just as this passage talked about, you know, eyes and ears not competing against each other and the nose not saying it's more important than the pancreas, or I'm obviously adding a few more body parts in there. The passage didn't say use those particular body parts. But um, it can be easy to sort of compare and contrast in our world. of Oh, I'm not as good as that person, or I want to do what they're doing because that looks much more exciting. But actually, this passage is telling us we don't need to compare and contrast. We, we need to just look, look, look at what we've been given and look at what other people have been given, celebrate together, and serve together because actually every single part is really, really valuable and really important. I think the other thing that we learn from this, um, this passage is there's, there's no hierarchy in gifts. It's not like, oh, if you've got this gift, you're, you're, you've made it and, and you're at the top of the class and, and actually that's what, you should, you know, that's what we should all strive for. Um, no, actually, this, again, this passage turns that sort of worldly view on its head and, and says, actually, everyone's got a place to to, to fit in and a, and a part to play. Every part of the body is really important. And whether you're up front, you're not up front, whether it looks shiny or whether it looks quite humble, um, all really, really important. And there's no hierarchy. No one is better than the other. And the very last um, verse that Gwen just read, which is so important, that is the link bit into the, to, into the following chapter of, of what we've just read, is that love through service is the really compelling factor the excellent way is the way of love. Um, so your gifts almost are really unimportant if, if, if we're not showing love. Um, and actually, it should be love that compels us rather than sort of competition or hierarchy. So as we think about what this means for our world, I mean, our world's a pretty broken place, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yes, there's pockets of, of greatness in it. But as we've, as we've been as a, as a world through COVID and seen how broken community can be, as well as real signs of like amazingness with community, um, and as we've moved with work and with life to so much more being online um, and so much less being in person, we see just how much our world has sort of gone back into a focus on individualism rather than on community. And there is a strong sort of push to sort of, oh, What's best for me? How can this serve me? What can I gain from life rather than what can I give and how can I serve others? And actually, if we're people as a, as a church who can use our gifts to serve both each other um, and beyond that to serve the people around us in our communities and neighborhoods, this could be really, really transformative. Um, I don't know how many of you have watched um, The Race Across the World. Anyone watch that? Okay, so for those of you who haven't watched it, just to give you a little bit of a background, the concept of this um, series is um, 
there are five pairs of people, um, some, you know, a couple, some dad and daughters, some friends, who uh, have, to pack a back, have to pack a backpack. They're not allowed their mobile phone. They land somewhere, in this case, in this series, it was Canada, the, the west coast of Canada, and they're given the price of a single airfare from the start of their journey to the end of their journey, um, and they have to check in at various checkpoints along the way, and they have to make the money last, and they have to travel by any means necessary apart from a plane, um, and be the first person, the first, the first pair to get to the final destination. And it's quite compelling viewing. And this latest series on Canada um, was, I think a lot of the pairs went into it thinking, oh, this should be easy. This is Canada, rather than racing across multiple continents and, and, and different countries and different languages where we don't speak them. Canada, everyone speaks English. It should be straightforward. And, you know, it's a, it's a big country. It's, it's well-developed. It's got lots of cities. We should be able to get transport easily. But no, the routes across the country, it wasn't a nice, easy sort of Vancouver across to, um, to Montreal or something just by the major cities. It was literally up and down to obscure islands and to the, um, to the, to the edge of the polar regions um, and through some really, really uninhabitable parts of the country where, you know, the, the town was only inhabited by 400 people. And transport links were really, really challenging. And what we saw sort of through the series is that um, the, each of the pairs had to rely on the, on the hospitality of strangers. And there were some incredibly moving um, bits, really, in their journeys where strangers opened up their homes. A stranger agreed to drive people 400 miles um, just to get to their next destination because actually they were stuck and there wasn't much public transport. Um, a stranger opened up home and said, come and stay with us for the night because you're stuck and there's no bus going tonight. It doesn't go till tomorrow. Um, and right, in, right at the, one of the near final episodes, a stranger picked up um, this, 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 this married couple who part of their journey was also a journey of actually working through for their, their own selves the fact that they were struggling with infertility. And they shared with this with this man who was driving them. Yeah, actually, we'd love to have children, but we've really struggled with infertility. And he shared his story of having been adopted and shared with them this view that actually adoption could be a, a beautiful thing they did for others. And it was a really, really powerful moment in the series. And I think what struck me from watching this was these strangers, um, a number of different strangers across Canada, chose to sh just open up their lives and share their gifts, whatever they were, whether it's that they had a car or they had a house or they had, in one case, somebody even just sort of bought breakfast for someone. Different ways they shared what they'd been given with others who they didn't even know. And these, you know, maybe some of these people were people who followed Jesus. Maybe they weren't. They just thought, actually, this is a good thing to do. But it was a real stark reminder to me about, wow, if, if, if people can do that, um, who perhaps don't even know Jesus, what more could we do who do know Jesus? And how can that be a really, make a really transformative impact on um, our local communities, our workplaces, um, our schools, our universities, our hospitals? Um, it really could be quite transformative if, if we took on board actually using the gifts we've been given by God and use them to serve others. So as we, as we sort of round up this talk... I really want to sort of leave us with two questions. 
Um, the first one, like, what gifts have I been given? What spiritual gifts has God given to me? And for some of you, you might think, I, I, yeah, I know, I know the answer to that. Um, that's really clear to me. For others of us, we might feel, actually, I'm not really sure what gifts I do have. I don't really know. And sometimes, actually, other people can see our gifts in us, um, even though we haven't seen that ourselves. Other people can say, actually, you've really got a gift of doing this. Um, So if you're not sure what gifts you've got, what gifts God might want to give to you, um, as we spend some time in prayer, just ask people around you uh, throughout this week, do do you see any gifts in me that I could be using more of, that maybe I'm not fully aware of? And even if you've been a follower of Jesus for some time, and you know, okay, yeah, these are the gifts I tend to use and and, and I I feel God's given me. Actually, God sometimes wants us to be open to receive new gifts. Just as when we have, um, you know, when it comes to a birthday or a Christmas each year, uh, sometimes we get a new gift that we didn't even know we needed um, or we didn't know could be useful. Uh, God operates that way as well, that sometimes he gives us a new gift even if we've, we've, we've been operating in other gifts quite, quite comfortably. But he, he gives us a new gift for a season. So again, I think it's good for us to be open to what new gifts God might want to give us. And I think then the second question is, how can I use these gifts? Whether they're gifts I'm very familiar with or they're gifts I'm not sure whether God might be giving me um, for a new season. How can I use these to serve my king and to serve others, both in the church um, and beyond 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 the church in, in, in whatever it is you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Thanks for tuning in today. We would love to connect with you on a Sunday morning soon. Bless you and have a great week.